Al Godfrey, AJ Godfrey, and uh, we're going to head out to uh, rainy Southern California here <laughs> as we're enjoying some beautiful <laughs> 75 degree clear skies. Don't rub it in. Weather yeah. in uh, Texas, y'all. Yeah, 72 degrees. Can't believe it. Enjoying it. On the line with us, hanging out. Ryan Kramer, the Sports Gambling Podcast. My man, how you doing? Uh, good, you know, you know how it is. The uh, you get soft when you live in Southern California, so the twenty day, days of rain really hit. <laughs> so oh, we've man, got a we've bad. got a merry go round of uh, assistant coaches, regular coaches. Looks like only one uh, NFL uh, open spot up in the uh, Great Northwest. Is that actually true? Is there only one spot left for a head coach? Uh, uh, have they not all been filled? Yeah. Which position are you talking about? You're right. Seattle just got their head coach yesterday or just you know a couple days ago, which is it's done. It's head done. coaches are done. So the question that I'm I have is Belichick gonna just hang out on his chase lounge with his margaritas and just relax, play a little golf and just see how the season goes on, Ryan? Sounds good. I think his version of playing golf is watching some good lacrosse games. <laughs> I, I I do wonder. I mean, there's got to be some value to sitting out for a year and being the attractive coach that everyone is like, huh, you know, Belichick's still out there. He's re, you know, he's refreshed after taking the year off. You can already see the stories. I do think that all it's done, uh, you know, between him, Ben Johnson turning down the Washington job, it's created a, already a list of guys who will be on the, the, the list for next year. And, you know, I, I would imagine some owner who has a bad year six, seven weeks into the season is going to start picking up the phone and being like, all right, Bill, what's it going to cost? You can build your own team. And and from what we understand, that was why Belichick, uh, if any of the teams soured on him, it's that he wanted to bring in all of his own people. Reportedly, that included Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, the All-Stars. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I do think it creates an interesting dynamic for this year for teams that are going to be bottom dwellers. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it seems like guys, good good hires. couple question marks. If I'm a Washington fan, I don't know if I'm stoked about Dan Quinn after he uh, gave up a million points to, to, to the Packers there in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, it does seem like the guys who we expected to get hired, for the most part, got hired. <laughs> Well, what does that mean for the Cowboys, Dan Quinn now leaving, you know, a team that we we assume we believe, I mean, they're a good team. We're not going to we're not going to like just, you know, pretend like we live in a, on a different planet. They are a good team even though they just can't do it in the playoffs. So what does that mean for them? I mean, it's cer you certainly have to have a little bit of worry if you're a cow. I mean, a Cowboys fan. A lot of this was the system. I think you know we've seen now Dan Quinn in multiple stops get a get a team that maybe wasn't quite an elite defense into that attack minded attacking defense elite. Whether it was back with Seattle, Atlanta, uh, Dallas, they've all been good. And so I do think you have to accept the fact that the defense is probably going to take a step back. And then you wonder, you know, when the Cowboys did play in shootouts this year, it wasn't always the best look for their offense, a.k.a. Mike McCarthy's side of the ball. And so I do think that this, you know, I, 
anyone who saw what the Cowboys did this year has to think a little bit. Wow, they've been peaking. Their window's closing. They've had two great years. Nothing to show for it. Now they lose the defensive coordinator, who, by the way, I, I mentioned all the on-field stuff, but Micah Parsons speaks so highly of him. He said, hey, maybe Coach Quinn will take me with him. And so I like that kind of talking would have to make me a little worried that, man, they were playing for this guy. Are they going to play for the next guy in the same way? Yeah. They've already lost a ton of their fans. <laughs> I don't know about that, but broken de- TV sets. I, I would say they have really disappointed their fans. Just another year goes by and he's arguably. And in fact, I think it's actually, he, I think it is in fact that he is the worst playoff quarterback ever to with just two wins out of five any any quarterback that's had at least five appearances in the playoff I mean that's just not good Belichick to the Cowboys <laughs> next year that could be the possibility but I don't know I mean you know what's your opinion on that I mean Ryan because like that's a that those are two strong minds Jerry Jones and Belichick can Jerry Jones step back and just let him do his thing no <laughs> I mean, that could be like the last, like, I, I really feel like I'm near the end. I This is the one last hurrah. But I I think Jerry's problem is he's probably not aware of how much he is the puppet master. And, you know, by all accounts, his, his children and the circle have done a good job of insulating him. And it's mostly just strange media outbursts. He doesn't actually have control. And, and so, but no, I, I don't think... The re, I mean, Mike McCarthy is the head coach uh, and still is the head coach because he enjoys Jerry uh, to take control of him uh, in, in a puppet master fashion, the same way Jason Garrett did, right? That's what Jerry is comfortable with. That's what the team is comfortable with. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Cowboys have increased in value a tremendous amount. So you can't say it's the wrong strategy, but it hasn't resulted in Super Bowl. So at some point, maybe you need someone that's willing to tell you this isn't the right way. You know, it's like uh, it, it really de- it comes down to what's important, I think, to the team. You know, you look at like Tiger Woods back in the day when he was like on fire and he only played in about 15 tournaments for the year. And he chose certain tournaments that basically he knows that he's going to win or the fact that he was going to play in tournaments leading up to every major and his whole strategy strategy was winning majors. That was it because he's already got, you know, the crazy amount of wins. Obviously, it was about how many majors can I get? Well, maybe, you know, Jerry Jones need to has to look at it this way. He needs to look at it and say, hey, how important is the Super Bowl to me? Because, yeah, I'm making a ton of money. The, the, the value of the team so high. I'm making money even when the Cowboys don't play. So what's more important now? I've already made my money. And if that's the case, I think he needs to seriously consider doing a, just having a big change. And if you think about it, when was the last, like we always, we joke about the last time they were successful was back in the heyday, the, the, the nineties, Aikman, Emmett Smith. And what did those teams have? Michael Irvin, they had a, they had great players, but B they had coaches mm who were on the tip of the spear. I mean, Jimmy Johnson kind of revolutionized the the draft value chart, you know, yeah. uh, and he was a great college coach. Like, e- even Barry Switzer, like, Barry Switzer, why did he stop coaching with the cow- a friction with the owner? So I certainly think that, um, 
you know, if he was to look in the mirror and say, well, when we had our best success, we had guys that created friction with me. That's probably a good thing for an organization. You always want your second in command. You always want your leaders to be pushing you. And so, yeah, I, I, I you know, if I was a Cowboys fan at some point, I got to wonder what's the strategy, Jerry, is it to make money or is it to win championships or to start following the Rams and giants? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, We'll probably get uh, we'll get we'll get your opinion next week uh, on the Super Bowl, but I gotta ask you. I mean, I got my pizza wh- ordered. What's your What's your takeaway from these past couple games? I mean, you know the standouts. Obviously, you know Purdy did a great job. A lot of people are giving him a little cl- a little crap about you know game management and not really going for it. You know, and I don't know. I think he's I think he's doing a good job. You know, but what's your opinion here? So I think in both games, it's the, the, the story is that one team really, really disappointed in very different ways. You have the Ravens who, once again, they played their worst game of the season in the most important game of the season in an opportunity where they are hosting the conference championship game. And unfortunately, from the from the start, it seemed as though the Chiefs were going to win that game and the Ravens had just overthought it. They decided in the biggest game of the year, you decide to only run the ball uh, less than a dozen times because you want to galaxy brain it and trick them. No, how about you stick to your strengths? That was pretty disappointing. If I was a fan, I'd be really bummed. Also, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, part of the strength of the team, he's now off to Seattle to coach the Seahawks. On the other side, the story was all about Dan Campbell's decision-making, the aggressiveness, it fails, and what happens when you fail in those aggressive decisions? People come for you. They say, hey, look what you did. You cost them. I think if you're a Lions fan, you're bummed out. You're certainly going to nitpick the decisions probably, but you went down the way you got there. You were aggressive, and, yeah, you had a 17-point lead, and, yeah, Typically, Shanahan doesn't come back from that kind of stuff, and it it definitely looks bad, and people are going to remember it. But I think to me, A, the fourth down decisions have somehow trumped that and kind of hidden the eye. The story isn't about how they collapsed with a 17-point lead. It's about how Dan Campbell made these aggressive decisions. And so in some ways, they recovered by keeping Ben Johnson, keeping the guys together, and they're going to run it back next year. They're going to come in as a favorite. And unlike the Lamar uh, Ravens team that's going to have a tremendous amount of pressure on their shoulders, I think, the if anything, the Lions relieved some pressure in terms of Dan Campbell can do it, this team can do it, Jared Goff can do it, and they'll come back, I think, with confidence. And so, for me, the two takeaways for the losers is I think the Ravens now have the same suite of questions to answer next year, and Lamar is going to have all the pressure on him again to show that he can do it as if he didn't win the MVP this year. Meanwhile, Jared Goff and the Lions, I think they come into the season with tremendous amounts of confidence as if they took that step like we see in the NBA often where you got to you got to get that series win before you can go on to the deep run in the playoffs and I think to me that's that's what we're looking at as far as the winners oh, we're back, right? Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes getting ready to break records uh, you know, past guys like Montana and Manning and playoffs uh, categories, uh, Andy Reid, you know, inching closer to to all time um, Super Bowl wins potentially. And on the other side, you have Kyle Shanahan kind of shaking off all these demons, made the comeback back to the Super Bowl where he blew the lead against the Chiefs in the last time they faced off. Brock Purdy 
shaking off some of the demons, you know, playing like more than a game manager. He was scrambling. He was making plays. Certainly a big reason why they won the game. And yeah, so, I think so. I, th- I think you got the best two teams. I think at the end of the day, um, if you were to make the preseason Super Bowl prediction, I think a lot of people would have been on to these two teams. And, you know, they're there. They're probably the two best teams playing right now. Should be a great matchup. And, uh, you know, shocked to see Patrick Mahomes once again a dog in the postseason. Yeah. Well, is he? By the way, is that is that true? Yeah, the Forty Nineers are so, favored for for the Super Bowl. So the the number opened uh, San Francisco minus two and a half. It quickly got bet. A lot of Chiefs money came in, dropped all the way to one. San Francisco only favored by one, but then it bounced right back out to San Francisco minus two, which is kind of where it's holding. So it's a close uh, game. So. Yeah, under three, you know, that that means they don't really know. Certainly, I think this is telling the story of, from a pure value perspective, I think people value this Niners team top to bottom very highly. And I think if it was going against anyone else but Patrick Mahomes, they're probably favored by three or three and a half points. I think what you're seeing is the value of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare, that that's probably worth one and a half to two points on the number. And that's the difference. Now that all of that being said, I, you know, you have to have a, a certain amount of fortitude to walk to the window and go against Patrick Mahomes when he's the dog in you the know, postseason. You know, I got to say real quick, you know, I, there's a, you don't want to, I don't want to take away from the defense of the 49ers because they're good, but I got to tell you, and this is my opinion. It could be stupid, but you know, they're all real. There's a lot of good talent on this team. But we got to just be honest with ourselves and just just admit that the 49ers have the best running back we've seen in a very long time. He's the, one of the biggest reasons why they're there. And he's one of the only or the one of the few running backs that just gets it done in every single game unless he gets hurt. Like they can't stop him. So my whole thing about this is could you imagine if they pull some Ravens BS and just not give McCaffrey the ball, I mean, that would be insane. I I just wouldn't. I It would be so hard to see that. I mean, whether you're talking about the part of the game where they're scripting it um, or you're just thinking about how football is played. Okay, well, we're, we're, Kyle Shanahan, you know, comes from his dad. His dad is Mike Shanahan. The Shanahanian, like Kubiak running zone running system that can make anyone a thousand yard running back in the National Football League. Well, now they have the best weapon. So I think, hey, yeah, you want to take, you want to shoot those bullets. But then also, he's a great receiver. When there is pressure, Brock Purdy has a great, a great eye for him. And I think the reason, and, and you know, he probably does not get enough credit for this, but the reason that McCaffrey, I think, is the best right now is you combine those things, and then you realize he's also really physical. You watch the way he runs into contact. I'll never forget what Marshawn Lynch said about contact. He said, if you're the one initiating the contact, it don't hurt so bad. And you're ready for it. You're not surprised by it. You don't get jacked up when you're the one lowering the shoulder. And you watch McCaffrey. He is very balanced at all times. Almost Alvin Kamara-esque. We're like, he's into that contact, and... You know, you watch some of these guys, they don't want to tackle him. He's a big physical dude, and I I think that's the element of his game that he doesn't necessarily get the credit for. But, yeah, Yeah. I think if I was a betting man and I was looking at this the way to play the Super Bowl, if I like the Niners, I really think there's there's not many paths where the Niners win and it's not McCaffrey who raises the MVP trophy. 
I don't think it's going to be Purdy. I think Purdy would have to have something like four passing touchdowns against this Chiefs secondary, which seems very unlikely. And so when you look at the MVP prices, you got Purdy sitting there at the plus 140 range. Meanwhile, McCaffrey is sitting at three to one. And so if I was if I if that's the way I was looking at the game, like how is McCaffrey not come out of this with two touchdowns and probably the most meaningful touches in the game? Yeah. And so yeah, I think I think to your point, like he's he's the best at his position. There's a reason why he's a little bit different than the rest of these guys, yeah. but he also could be the last one because if you're a great athlete, why would you play running back? If you're a great young football player, running back is not a position that teams value. Get yourself into receiver. Go find defense. We could be looking at one of the great, like, dual-threat guys. I mean, Bijan just came into the league, but he's no McCaffrey. No, no. Uh, good point there. I'm thinking of uh, Bosa and uh, San Francisco Giants defense, and uh, he was in almost every play against Detroit. San Francisco Giants defense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bosa is definitely. He was on almost every play. He was in the middle of it. The whole, the whole, the whole line up front is no joke. Uh, I mean, they're all great. I love me some Warner in the middle too. So, um, it, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get more into it next week. But really great getting your takes. Obviously, um, headed to Las Vegas, or are you going to stay home? So I, I will. Uh, I'll be out in Vegas for the Super Bowl media events. Uh, we'll be chopping it up. Hopefully, b- bumping into some uh, some football legends. Uh, and then, yeah, game. No, I'm not. I'm not big time enough to stick around for the game. I'll be back in beautiful Los Angeles watching it at the home studio. There you go. Probably the best way to watch it. Always right. a pleasure. Hey, we get the draft in about uh, ten weeks. <laughs> and you can bet on it. Let's go. Oh, right. sweet. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. More to come live here from Dallas, Texas. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey.